It is Patrick. It is Solid 60. This is episode 32. I am ready to go. I don't have a lot of time, so this is going to be nice and quick. I have to be because I've got a train to catch at exactly 6 o'clock. It is Tuesday the 21st of the 11th. That might confuse anyone that looks at a calendar because it's actually a Wednesday. Now that I think about it, a lot later than I should have done this, but it does leave me hanging with another episode to wrap up this week, so there's something I wanted to talk about that I'll leave for that one. Today, yeah, I'll just keep it simple. I saw a movie with Lewis last week. It was called The uh, Fantastic Beasts, Crimes of Grindelwald. Not a bad flick. I saw the first one with him, had a bit of fun, and the second one was, yeah, even better. It's average seven on IMDb, so I'll read a couple of bits and pieces on there. It made $62 million on the first weekend, which is respectable, I think. Not a $100 million blockbuster, but they, you know, only spent, uh, I think about $100 million to make it. 200 wow, okay. $67 million in a um, weekend. It's definitely going to make its money back over the entire run. Now, that was just the States, so yeah, it'll, it'll be all right. It's got that fan base. I had no idea my son was such a huge... Potterhead, if that's what you call them. They spent the entire film. Got, if I was a regular cinema girl, it might have got a little bit annoying, or if I was sitting behind us. But I was just so happy that he'd found something that he was super into and he could talk all day about. And I uh, hadn't really... I knew that he was a fan, but not this much. Like, the title sequence with a bunch of wands used as a type integrated into the the name of the movie he's like yeah that's uh dumbledore's wand that's so-and-so's wand like okay this kid knows what he's on about and i like to think i'm somewhat responsible for that because i told him he had to read the entire series of books before i would buy him something he wanted from eb games once it was like a special harry potter journal it was just a really cool art book and that was enough i guess to at least get him to open the book and then of course J.K. Rowling had the writing to keep him going must have just hit that sweet spot at that age of of nine or so and now he's uh, completely wrapped up in it which is cool it makes me want to throw more at him of that world and uh, just reward him with that dedication but and eventually read it myself so I'm not that it totally passed me by when I was that age it was all TSR stuff you know Dungeons and Dragons anything related to that. R.A. Salvatore was writing Forgotten Realms novels, so it was really... And even Nine, I don't think I was quite there yet. Maybe a few years later. Nine, I think I tried Lord of the Rings. It was a bit heavy for me. Hobbit, I got through a little easier. But stuff like that, there was no Harry Potter. And by the time he came out, I was like in my 20s, and uh, it just wasn't happening. The trivia? It's got to be a bit here, because you know this is a fan made website basically they've got rid of the forums but um, they still have people to trivia goofs reviews all that sort of stuff i think imdb they do have reviews themselves i mean they do organize the database of all the professionals a bit like rotten tomatoes which i do like as well but it doesn't have the trivia and goofs which is my favorites so that's why i'm over here Newt Scamander carries a wand, practices magic, and works for the Ministry of Magic, even though he was expelled from Hogwarts, which puzzled several fans, especially since Hagrid wasn't afforded those liberties. J.K. Rowling explained the reason for this will be revealed throughout the series. See, this is stuff not having read the books, I'm completely unaware of. There's a lot of other goofs, apparently. We'll get to there. As with other actors, she gave uh, Jude Law extremely secret details about his character. Lucky man. I'm a big fan of Jude Law as Albus Dumbledore. There's a lot of memes out there 
trying to figure out or making fun of how he went from three-piece suits and looking very dapper to a giant robe and a matching hat in his older age. But, you know, sensibilities change as you age and another thing that happens is you care a lot less about how you look. So he just leant into the whole wizarding thing and uh, ran with it. So, fair enough. Zoe Kravitz's character, Lita Lestrange, she's the uh, very attractive... A little shades of like a younger version of anyway. Uh, I should know her name too. I'll just look that up. Let's see how let's see how Google can do with that. Westworld actress wins. I'm gonna put Golden Globe. I wish it wasn't so loud that the mic picked it up, but it does. Sorry about that. Thandie Newton. No wonder I forgot her name. Seventieth Emmy Awards. That's even better than a Golden Globe, I think. I'm not sure how those they are ranked, but that was a pretty big deal. I, I, is it just because she's also half black? I, I don't know. I think it's she's also very compelling. She's also very beautiful. And we're going to see a lot more of both of them in the years to come, hopefully. But yeah, so I enjoyed her, her part, obviously. And uh, I won't spoil it. It's reasonably recent. Not that anyone listen to this in the near future. But I'll, I'll leave what happens to her a little mysterious. The strange character's notable reputation. Yeah, that, that's the whole thing. They're trying to track down the boy who's played by The Flash. Uh, not the Grant Gustin one, the other one, the one that's quite out and about as a gay actor. Unfortunately, uh, the character isn't gay because he's with that really hot Asian chick. But ironically, Albus Dumbledore's character is gay, but not the actor. So that's just how it goes. So there's a whole description there of the family tree. I'm not going to go into that. Dumbledore's dark arts classes, he calls one of the students by the name McLaggen. The student is probably the grandfather of Cormac McLaggen, who's a prominent character in The Half-Blood Prince. Yeah, I love it when you're building a universe like this. You can slowly integrate all the characters, even window dressing or small th- bits and pieces that pop up in, in the original prequels will relate somehow, even if, if it if it's innocuous, to the later movies. This movie features the first time that actors from the Harry Potter movies have reprised their roles, in the Beast franchise anyway. Jamie Campbell Bower as young Grindelwald, Toby Regbo as young Dumbledore, both briefly appeared in Harry Potter Deathly Hallows. Oh, I see. So they're, they're the same actors that were in the same character in the Harry Potter movies and they popped up in this franchise. That's cool. Another connective tissue. During his first audition for Theseus, Callum Turner instinctively kissed Eddie Redmayne on the top of his head. He believes that's what got him the role. Alright, see, I have to look up. I don't know either name. Theseus. Oh, that's his brother. He's a handsome dude, and you can see why they cast him as well, not just for his cool acting. He does look vaguely related. Uh, he plays a bit of a dick, but uh, in the end, he obviously comes good. The interior of the basement, where he keeps his beast, is styled according to the lithograph relativity, or the Escher painting, where all the stairs kind of confuse the hell out of anyone looking at it. Nagini's role was previously offered to local Indonesian actress Acha Sep. Triasa. Uh, she stated the character was inspired by folklore that originated from Indonesia. She turned down the offer because of pregnancy. I'll have to look her up. What did we miss out on? You can go to her page on IMDb and there is no photo at all, even though she's been in 26 films. That's a bit lazy. I guess Asian actresses and actors aren't that bothered about putting their stuff up on here. Even though if I click on, say, one of those movies and you look at a list of not, not many of the cast have their photos but I think that's her on the cover of the title of a movie called Jaga 
Pekong, right? It really does stick to, it's like full on just local. There's no universality on that unless they dub it. Oh, it looks very, very Indonesian. I don't, I've seen a lot of Thai movies and Chinese movies, obviously, but Indonesian stuff I haven't really looked into. Looks pretty scary. Yeah, she's a pretty girl. I can see why that, even in her demon mode, more like this. Okay, so that's, anyway, back to 541. Gee, I'm running out of time. I'm going to just have to plug in like, I still have to get dressed. No, I'm going to have to pause on this and, and finish it later. Damn. But I'll do another five minutes. I'll just finish the review if I can. It's going to be tricky. Principal photography began in London, took place in England, London, Switzerland, and Paris. Jude Law and Michael Gambon have both played the character of Albus. They also appeared in Sky Captain, which was released the same year as Gambon's first appearance as Dumbledore. Gellert Grindelwald has now been played by four actors. I thought it was just the two. He's also been played by Michael Byrne and Jamie Campbell Bower. Okay, well, he just changes his appearance whenever he wants. That did bother me that it wasn't Colin Farrell. I'm not sure why they switched. But given that when they uh, showed a flashback to when Dumbledore was making a blood pact with, uh, which is why he can't fight him directly, though he seems to want to find a way around that, it's alluded that they've got some kind of romance. But yeah, they show like a young, he's like the main bad guy. He's got a really gellet. I scroll to happily Grindelwald. Yeah, they show him as like a teenager with Dumbledore and it's like, it's pretty much young Johnny Depp. So, you know, Johnny Depp from Jump Street era. So you're thinking, well, when was he Colin Farrell? Was it just for the first movie for some bizarre reason? It's, it bothers me, but anyway. And they, it's something the Harry Potter films do a fair bit. Uh, for for good or bad reasons, I, I think it's a bad reason if it's just if it's trivial. If the character is a main integral part of the movie and you switch it up, I think they did it with one of the Dumbledores, but the actor died, so that's a good reason. If it's something like an actor asking for too much money, depending on how much it is, yeah, okay, I suppose that counts as a good reason. Uh, when they did it in Back to the Future, though, really, I think for posterity, they should just give them the money. Come on. Especially a movie like Back to the Future, though we're making plenty back. Uh, got back to my spot. Filming began 2017. Alongside the... I mean, that's a pointless... I'm going to say no. That is not interesting. Filmed almost entirely at Leavesden's Warner Studios, which has been home to the Wizarding World for almost 20 years. There you go. It's, they, they stick to the way they know. Newton is eight years older than Callum Turner. Eddie Redmayne, the actor, is eight years older than the guy playing his older brother basically which is yeah it still somehow works because the guy is a lot taller i don't know for some reason that didn't strike me as obvious costume designer colleen atwood has been dressing johnny depp for 30 years the renewed casting of johnny depp caused controversy uh, due to depp's divorce which is accompanied by allegations of domestic abuse writer jk rowling has defended the choice uh, where she fully defends uh, supports his involvement in the film as with the first film animal making required months of graphic pattern and animation testing. She was inspired for many of them by legendary creatures from different cultures, such as the Chinese, Zhou Wu, the Scottish Kelpie, and the French Matagot. It's pretty cool. I mean, the creatures were a big, huge part of the movie, uh, especially the giant, weird cat line snake thing that flies around. That was pretty, pretty sweet. Uh, some dispute seems to be as to how the name Grindelwald should actually be pronounced. Young Dumbledore puts a very noticeable German-Dutch spin on it, the wild part pronounced much like the English word vast, Grindelwald, uh, whereas 
Most other characters use a more conventional English pronunciation. Principal filming is completed to December 20 last year. God, it takes a while to do that CGI. Uh, rather than filming in Paris, they just uh, built the capital at least, and as was the case with New York in the first one. Uh, they began photographing different parts of Paris for their research in order to get shots that visual effects teams could use as backgrounds. Yeah, no wonder again it took so long to do the effects. The early rumours on who would play the young Albus Dumbledore included Christian Bale. Who cares once they, once it's not them? I don't care about rumours that didn't turn out to be of any import. It's like people talking about John Cena being Captain America or photoshopping Henry Cavill into Captain America. It's like, yeah, it's not going to be him. I just don't want to know. Yeah, that's something I wanted to talk about as well. Bill Maher. Bill Maher? Bill Maher? <laughs> He's a podcaster. He's a late night talk show kind of guy where he gets people on. Not really like a entertainment late night talk show. It's more of a panel type show from what I've seen. He had a dig at comics and the whole Stan Lee morning thing, which is a really cheap shot. I thought I, I used to like Bill Mayer, but this has really put him offside for me. It was right here. There was a, there was a little headline. This is what, yeah, okay. Here's what Henry Cavill would look like as Captain America. Yeah, it's pretty lazy Photoshop. It's just his face onto someone wearing the Captain America. You just see a three quarter shot of his chest and shield and then Cavill's face. It kind of works, but it's Superman. I, after however many movies it is, three or four, I just, he's Superman. And it's the same as the Witcher shots, even though it's not photoshopped. He just looks like Superman with white hair. I can't see him as anyone else. Maybe my brain is less flexible than others. But yeah, Stanley's team, he has a team that responds to Bill Mo. I'm going to have to look up how to pronounce his name. Labeling his comments is frankly disgusting. Yeah, I agree. Well, that's not much of an article. It's like three words. Read entire update. Well, that might help. That's a bit more work. Oh, no, the spoiler trivia. Okay. He's Johnny Depp signed on without reading a script. He's a massive fan of the series. J.K. Rowling confirmed the story arc will span 19 years, leading up to the epic battle of Dumbledore and Grindelwald in 1945. Yeah, they flash... They do a flash forward of, like, what will happen if you don't vote for Grindelwald, basically. Humans will ruin things and go and have another war. And it had images of the... Like, he sort of flashed up this giant thing where he gathered everyone together basically like a mini movie of world war Two with the holocaust and everything he's like this is why we need to be in charge guys and it was a pretty compelling argument uh the ministry of magic turned up and started shooting people with their wands and it was like yeah i'm the good guy these are the dudes being violent i'm guessing most of the crowd didn't know about all the dead babies so he did come off as a, as a decent dude that wants the best for everyone in general, even if a few eggs have to be broken. It's actually conceivable where his support's coming from, and it's, it's, it's good in that way. It's not just some kind of criminal in the sense that he's very much a narcissist that just wants power and uses everyone around him to get that power, uh, even though he's very good at appearing like it's for the right reasons. In the same way that he chases down this kid, Lestrange, or whatever his name is, the Flash Kid, and puts him in trap. And that's why his girl, the, the kid's girlfriend's like, yeah, this guy's totally using you. And the kid doesn't, it doesn't count. He's like, I, I need to know who I am. And this guy's promising that. And that overrides almost every better part of him. And that's why he's seduced, even though he's a little on the fence, which, which uh, Johnny Depp knows because he's managed to also ensnare the sister of one of the other main characters, Tina, is it? I can't remember her name. I'm not very good with names, but like, you've got basically the love interest for his name is in the freaking movie, isn't it? Newt Scalamander. Is it Scalamander? 
Why can't I find it now that I need it? Young Grindelwald. Eddie Redmayne's character, basically. So Eddie Redmayne's love interest is also fairly strong. That's why I like it as well. She's just as tough, if not tougher, as uh, Eddie Redmayne. So she really gives it her all. And you, you want her to win. And she doesn't have any kind of autistic magic powers. She's just... She's got a wand. And that's about it. She just gets through with her smarts and her grit and determination. So her sister kind of gets wrapped up in the hole with the bad guys. And that's... Well, Lewis is oh, she's going to the, she's going to be a bad guy and I'm like well it's not that simple you can see her reasons for joining it they're compelling reasons she wants to be allowed to have her relationship with a muggle which is what this guy's promising even even though he's there and he's like yeah I, this is not good this is he's promising the world but motivations aren't pure even he can see that yeah that's I think they make it out to be a little bit too it's, it's like 10 to 6 so I'm gonna go I'm gonna pause this and hopefully it's still here when I come back. All right, I'm back, and there we go. There's three or four hours of my life that I don't really want back, because it was awesome. Went to see Steve Hofstetter from the USA, LA to be precise. Reuven Govenda, pretty sure he's local. He claims to have grown up in both South Africa and New Zealand. Very funny man, both of them, plus, holy shit, a ton of other comedians that were goddamn awesome, so I recommend that. Any event run by... What's Magic Mike Comedy? It's Magic Mike M-I-C. And he has a show every Wednesday. And I'm pretty sure Anthony... The MC Jared McGowan. But Magic Mike, I believe, is run by Anthony Skinner. Who is also the... I don't know if you call it a showrunner? A publisher? Editor? I don't know. Basically, he runs this podcast network. I'm not sure what the title is. But uh, good on him for picking us up. It's nice to have someone local, even if he's kind of new at the whole thing. He eventually got us sorted out, so quite happy with your work, Anthony. It was exciting. I jumped on the train, made it just in time, got in there, managed to get a photo with Steve. Uh, no one heckled him. I don't know if anyone was recording his set, but it was it went down a treat. It was a little quiet at the beginning. Uh, it was probably like five people. Yeah, Anthony was running around selling tickets, but I uh, had a good time. By the time it got to, I think it was 9.30 or something, when Steve got up, the last act, damn, he killed it, and it was a pretty packed house. So I guess people who are regulars just know what they're doing and turn up near the end. Now, I'm glad I stuck out for the whole show because some of the beginning acts were really good. Harry Jun was a class act. I've listened to him on Sam Menzies' The Downside podcast, and uh, he's just as funny in real life, if not funnier. Magic Mike... I'll be going back there at some point. I don't know if I'll do it every Wednesday. It is a long way to jump on the train and at least an hour plus each way. It's not too, like, traumatic. I can just sit there watching YouTube on the train, which is pretty cool. I don't know if I'll take... It does kill in... It means you're doing nothing else the entire evening, so... I might wait for the odd big name to to, uh, turn up. Like, that was a real get, Steve. He normally has big crowds. And I don't know how they knew he was doing it at the... Like, they were promoting him a week ago. And the way he made it out on the set was like, oh, I just thought I'd, at the last minute, turn up and do this set. So I was like, I guess Anthony is just clairvoyant. Uh, So I recommend that. But I've still got to finish my Fantastic Beasts. I was up to the spoiler trivia, I think. Nicholas Flamel opens his locker. The Philosopher's Stone can be seen. Yeah, I did notice that. Or at least Lewis pointed it out for me. Thank you. I won't open this chocolate. Probably shouldn't eat that before going to bed. It is uh, midnight, so I've moved into... Thursday. It's the latest I've ever done. I'm I'm so far behind. But I will try and really push it to get home tomorrow and record another one. So I'm 
back up to date. There's, yeah, there's that whole other mess of the story I want to go into. Wow, so here we are, more, more spoilers. J.K. Rowling confirmed the story arc of the series will span 19 years leading up to the epic battle of Albus Dumbledore and Gellert, Gellert, Grindelwald, it's an unfortunate name, in 1945. So just after the ending of the war, I wonder if they did, as I said, mention the war, or at least show a few clips, if that's the right word, visions of how it's going to go down. So obviously that plays a big part in the next movie. It's weird how World War One's completely skipped. I mean... In the first movie, I think there's soldiers running around, like his his muggle mate is just out of the army or something. The whole that's where it clashes for me when you've got all these amazing wizards that can just twirl a wand and make completely fuck with things, and they let 20 million people plus die in the trenches just because well they're muggles. You know what can you do? I, it just doesn't work. It's the same with the Marvel and DC properties like if there really were heroes at the level that they're claiming to be like the, the powers that they've got none of these wars would have went anywhere near the way they did but they're stuck with reality so they have to kind of come up with these ridiculous conceits to explain why they weren't there and didn't have any effect and you've got Wonder Woman turning up at I guess it must be near the end of World War One ends the war somehow by killing the god of war yeah it I can't expect too much reality, but it's a lot of fun. There's a couple more of these things. Grindelwald wields the Elder Wand, one of the Deathly Hallows, which was a huge plot point in Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. Here we go. I still have to watch that at some point. Scamander took the blame for the experiment, and the other threatens, th other professors threatened to expel him. Dumbledore stood up for him, so he was never expelled. He is listed as a graduate. There you go. That's why he still has the wand. Uh, the movie contains many references to future events. We see Professor McGonagall, which is apparently also a goof, because she wasn't born yet. Possible ancestors of future students are members, like the grandparents, I guess, of members of Draco's gang. Dumbledore's teaching a defense against the dark arts class about boggarts. We finally meet Nicholas Flamel and see the Sorcerer's Stone. Oh, that's, yeah, I mean, Lewis flipped out. It's like, oh, that's Nicholas Flamel. Oh, my God. So, yeah, well, okay. Because I guess he's only referenced in the later books. Leader walks through the Great Hall. We meet Nagini, but we have let to, yet to learn how she meets Voldemort. I think, uh, I guess in the later books, she's just a snake. Because that's her curse. Eventually, she can't change back to a human. It is revealed that at the end, Credence is in fact a Dumbledore. Well, uh, that's a pretty big spoiler. And says it's his birthright for Phoenix to come to the aid of a Dumbledore when in need. As said by Albus early in the movie. It's not clear how he's a Dumbledore. I guess it's his brother. Going way back if we're looking at who Dumbledore's parents are. In this film, we see a young Dumbledore. Um, see, the problem with these is they repeat, as I mentioned before. You should really pre-read this stuff. The Harry Potter book series only ever mentioned him as being the Transfiguration teacher. In fact, names Galatea Merrythought as having taught the class for around 50 years at the time of Voldemort's graduation from Hogwarts, which conflicts with this depiction. The film also shows a young Professor McGonagall who would be assumed to be teaching Transfiguration as it isn't specified, but the book series details uh, that she held the post for around 40 years roughly, if not exactly the amount of time that Dumbledore has served as headmaster. I mean, they just write this stuff and it's almost like the Fallout law. They'll just change it as they need to. Brontus Jodorowsky, not up on my Polish pronunciations, plays the alchemist known as Nicholas Flamel, 
That probably explains the accent, but I might have to click on him to make sure he's actually Polish. Born in Mexico. Okay. Well, that's confusing. <laughs> See, full bio, that might help. Could be born there. It's like Louis CK was born in Mexico or something and can speak pretty good Mexican, apparently. Or oh, Spanish. Moved to France in 1979. Oh. So he's actually French. There you go. Been in quite a few French movies. How many movies has he been in? Let's have a look. Mini bio. We go back to his main thing. 22 credits. So not that many, you'd think, for his age. Maybe a lot more. So Goose, this is where it gets fun. We can laugh at the foolish attempt at uh, doing things properly. There's only two. So that's disappointing. I guess it hasn't been out for very long. So I'm sure they'll find a few more. When Newt and Tina are caught infiltrating the French Ministry of Magic, which is a pretty cool set. I love this, uh, these movies just for the sets costumes the world that they create it's beautiful newt can clearly be heard saying that the cats are familiars despite the fact that on pottermore.com jk rowling clearly states that familiars do not exist within the world of harry potter again she i'm sure pretty sure had a hand in the screenplay so she can change her mind if she wants to the movie's set in 1927 yeah um, according to harry potter book she was born in 1935 but uh, again she can uh, change her mind on that and have her use all sorts of magic to live even longer than she would have. Because, I mean, wow, she aged well. If by, like, the 90s. She's an old woman, but still. If she's already, like, 20-something in, as this movie is set, in the 20s. She looks well into her 20s as a teacher. Uh, add 70 years to that. Yeah, 70 years. That would make her 90. She looks maybe late 60s in the movies. So, magic the ultimate elixir of youth. I mean, she might have a literal elixir of youth. You would look even younger, but still takes its toll in other ways. She's had a hard life, all those buddy kids. Uh, so that's that's a, that's all I'm going to find on that. That's good enough. The other thing I was going to read, and I've got it sitting here, is uh, this news review from the Sydney Morning Herald. They've got a section on Stan Lee, so I thought I'd go through that. I don't know why I picked this one. There's been millions out there on the internet. Kevin Smith wrote a quite moving one. You can look that up. But uh, this probably isn't really out there online. So I'll take it off the physical page right here to you from Michael I. Dato. Big bigotry and racism are among the deadliest social ills plaguing the world today. Oh, I went 32 minutes. All right, this will definitely finish it up. This is probably too long, but I'll try and skim it if I can. So that's what uh, the editorial said in 1968. I'm assuming he's referring to a stand soapbox. I'll try and rest this here so I'm not constantly making noise with it. I don't know if you can also hear the rain, which I had to pull out my torch for to check that the truck wasn't going to get bogged again. Yeah, it wasn't raining too hard, so the truck looks fine. I think I'll be able to drive away in the morning. So yeah, bigotry and racism. Deadly social ills. The only way to destroy them is to expose them, to reveal them for the insidious evils they really are. Those words spoken at the height of the civil rights movement, movement would have a lasting impact on a generation of young minds. They were not the words of a social justice campaigner or a civil rights advocate. They possessed, in their gravity, an echo of Martin Luther King Jr. But they were not his either. They were the words of Stan Lee, and they were written in a comic book. Lee, who died this week at the age of 95, was a pioneering, almost unequaled presence in the comic book industry. As editor-in-chief, publisher, and chairman of Marvel Comics, he created a pantheon of iconic characters and left a cultural legacy that is almost too vast to comprehend. To frame that legacy simply as one of costume heroes and its many shelves of spin-off toys is a dramatic oversimplification. Lee's characters, their flaws, ethical struggles and triumph over adversity 
are now written into the DNA of our culture. I hope my voice isn't too monotone. I was watching a lot of VinWiki tonight and one of the guys, fascinating stories, but he's a race car driver, not an orator. He's, uh, to be fair, his voice was a little monotone as a bunch of commenters mentioned. I got through it. The story was fascinating enough to me. I can't remember his name, Lee something. Great story about how he got a Subaru restored that used to be driven by Mackinnon and Solberg. It was like the Bug Eye WRX from the 90s. He was in high school in 2002 watching them race and became a super grand am champion racer himself which is pretty freaking amazing because i'm like 2002 i'd already been out of school for a while i was traveling i was working in a bar like this guy has achieved shit yeah that's so that was depressing god this is going to be so loud that i'll try and minimize the newspaper stuff back to the ah, gotta love those subway that is huge the subway large cup has like 10 times bigger a Hungry Jack's or McDonald's large cup. It is like Titanic. I've got a mad respect. In life, Lee is survived by a single child, but in our culture, he is also survived by a brood of complex heroes and heroines who became, after decades of reinvention, the centerpiece of a billion dollar comic book, TV and film empire. See, this is why Michael Idato writes for the Sydney Morning Herald. He can freaking put his shit together I'm sure he writes for other stuff as well. It never says, like, this guy just puts stuff in now and then, like freelance, or he's a staff writer. You never know. It'd be nice to know. They had a thing at the beginning of the newspaper, like they're doing magazines with all the different writers. Here's the editor. Here's the other guys. Motor. Just have to see his name pop up now and then, but a lot more respect after being him. I wonder if I ever put something together on the page as readable as that, that just wrapped things up just perfectly that someone would eventually come across and go, yeah, we need to put that guy in a proper paper. Never know, you just gotta keep writing. I don't think I'll ever will, but you just gotta keep plugging away. Sorry, I'm leaning over to Pat Scooter, who's quite uh, loyal. She's like more of a dog than a cat. And again, there it is. He is like more of a dog. I think cats are just always gonna be feminine to me. I can never look at them and go, hmm, there's a plucky young fellow. There's just something ineffably feminine about the whole species but let's go on about the hero heroes and heroines there are almost too many to name but they include the mighty thor the teenage spider-man the troubled hulk of don't make me angry you won't like me when i'm angry fame the sophisticated and strong black panther and the truly uncanny x-men as much as the, as his own daughter jc they also stand these children lee's own origin story arches back almost a century when the then 17-year-old boy took up a job at a publishing startup named Timely Publications, now owned by Marvel Entertainment. It was 1939. In historical terms, 1939 was a big year in comics. It was the year the first Superman comic, Action Comics 1, was published. It was also the year that Batman made his first appearance in Detective Comics 27. In other headlines, the same year, Gone with the Wind and The Wizard of Oz were released in cinemas and World War II broke out. A busy year by anyone's measure. Yeah, that's a... F if you're going to go back in time, damn, I would totally pick that year. Buy all those comics, lock them in some kind of uh, vacuum-sealed plastic slab and bury them and go back to now. You'd make a fortune. I mean, they've got to be able to carbon date that stuff. Surely they can't be like, oh, it's a fake. It's too good. Yeah. And just hang around for a bit, see how it all went down. It was not until 1961, however, that Lee's comic book pantheon was born. In collaboration with the artist Jack Kirby, they included the Fantastic Four, the Hulk, Thor, Iron Man, and the X-Men. 
It was not until 1961. Lee also co-created Daredevil with Bill Everett and Doctor Strange and Spider-Man with Steve Ditko. The most striking thing about Lee's creations were not the similarities with the iconic DC comic heroes of the era, but the profound differences. DC heroes had somehow become perfect princes of great kingdoms. The indestructible Superman, the demigoddess Wonder Woman, the brilliant Batman and Aquaman, the heir to the kingdom of Atlantis. They were all born to greatness, and while their stories were sometimes tinged with tragedy, the narratives were uniformly driven by destiny to lead. In contrast, Lee's characters were human, but bent into tormented copies of themselves. Lee was plainly fascinated by mutation, the radiation that turned Peter Parker into a... Spider-Man! The gamma rays that made Dr. Bruce Banner the Hulk, and even the cosmic rays that created the Fantastic Four. Even when Lee's heroes came with a superpower by birthright, they did not sit like the chisel-jawed Superman at the centre of the world. They were inhabited, but were instead like the misunderstood X-Men steeped in a sense of otherness, a deviation from the norm that put them at society's fringes. These characters were beautifully imperfect. Iron Man's alter ego, Tony Stark, battled with alcoholism. Spider-Man's Peter Parker was tormented by adolescent angst, as DC's heroes were upstanding, Marvel's heroes were broken. It is little surprise, then, that the DC heroes who dominated film and television in the 80s were a reflection of that era's wealth, polished excess, and perceived style. In the decade since, as the real world has become a darker, more fractious place to inhabit, these creations have stepped into the heart of our cultural storytelling, a dark mirror to a far more complex world. In 2018, the scale of Lee's legacy is vast. Bob Iger, the CEO of Disney, which owns the Marvel Empire, described Lee this week as a man who was as extraordinary as his comic book creations. A superhero in his own right, to Marvel fans around the world, Stan had the power to inspire, to entertain and to connect. The scale of his imagination was only exceeded by the size of his heart. Well said. Even Marvel's old rival, DC Comics, put out a statement that acknowledging that Lee had fundamentally changed the way our culture looks at the hero's journey. Modern comics will always bear his indelible mark, the company said in a statement, sounding eerily like it's from the 30s. In hindsight, it seems profoundly ironic that Lee's career as a comic book pioneer and the legacy it leaves us with almost did not happen. In the early 60s, Lee would later recall he almost walked away from the comic book industry. He yearned to write character stories with depth and complexity, but his publisher at Marvel simply wanted a lot of action and a lot of fight scenes. It was Lee's wife, Joan, who changed his mind when he suggested to him... Oh, there's a typo. When she suggested to him, Why don't you write one the way you want to write it? You're going to quit anyway, so if he fires you, who cares? Get it out of your system. The one, the way he wanted it, ended up becoming the Fantastic Four, the comic book that serves as a catalyst for the modern-day Marvel pantheon. Lee's career would go on many decades longer, and even after he stopped working on weekly comic releases for the company, he kept his weekly column, the quaintly named Stan Soapbox, which he would pontificate with all the wisdom and tender thought of the New York Times. There were many columns, but none so lasting in impact as the one in which he challenged 1960s America and its bigotry and its racism. It resonates as powerfully in 2018 as it did five decades earlier in 1968. Sooner or later, we must learn to judge each other on our own merits. Sooner or later, if man is ever to be worthy of his destiny, we must fill out hearts with tolerance. Again, with the typos, Sydney Morning Herald. God, is there anywhere that's like not sacred? For then, and only then, 
we will be truly worthy of the concept that man was created in the image of God, a God who calls us all his children. Beautiful stuff. So, well done, Michael. Would have been nice if you'd mentioned the uh, Marvel way, the whole method they come up with, or he came up with to create the comics as successfully as he did. I can't rattle it off the top of my head. But it was something about um, just giving them like a rough outline of how he wanted the comic to go, and then the artist would go and do it, and then he would, I don't know, it was just really efficient, and it just made them be able, it helped them to be able to pump out massive amounts of content uh, in a short amount of time. So. What was the other thing? It was about Bill Maher, Bill Maher. I'm going to have to look that up. I'm going to have to totally look that up. Pronounce. I wonder if it's a thing, Bill Maher. It did autofill, so I'm not the first person to look for it. It's even got its own little video here on YouTube, like specifically. Uh, let's uh, see what they've come up with. Bill Maher. Yeah. Okay. That wasn't that hard. Let's go to the actual man himself. Well, well, that's ridiculous because the other video, it's like a computer voice and uh, it's a photo of the guy. So I thought maybe it would be him speaking, but no, it's just some how to pronounce Bill Ma, Bill Ma. So that's going to confuse me. Let's try the third video. Maya, Ma. Okay, this one's gone with, so that's where I'm going to take two out of three. It says Ma and that will do it for me on this. Now it's the 22nd of November. We're moving quickly to the end of the year. And it's been a packed one. This whole thing started. It's going to keep going as, as long as I have a say in it. Sorry, it's going to have to keep sucking it up. It will get better one day, I promise. Now, enjoy your day. And uh, again, do get back to me with any advice. I know I probably should have prepped the... Uh, I do feel bad. Like, I went away and I was like, God, that first half of the uh, review, air quotes, of Fantastic Creatures needed some work. Could have done maybe a little bit of prep, had an outline at least, and I just kind of rambled on. Hopefully that works for someone. Uh, I certainly had a fun. I don't think I even rated it. I give it like a seven. It was. Uh, it's not really my cup of tea, but I had a lot of fun, and uh, I think I enjoyed it more through Lewis's eyes than my own. And I'll probably watch it again with Karen one day, because uh, there's always the other kid that's going to come up and get sucked into that same world. So that'll be interesting to see. If he gets as crazy about it as uh, Lewis, or there'll be something else by then to catch his eye. But for now, that's my night. Uh, you just reach out, touch someone. Peace out, y'all. Solid 60, done and dusted.